0: السلام عليكم alaykum wa وبركاته wa الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين اللهم alameen وسلِّم وبارِك wa نبينا wa وعلى آله وصحبه Muhammad wa ala alihi wa So last week we began with the tafsir Oh, that was quick So do I have to start again? I have to repeat that? So, sure. carry on or we'll start again? Yeah, it's, fine, it's, fine, it's fine, it answer the question. Okay, so last week we um, we began with uh, tafsir of Surah Al-Ikhlas and we did the first verse of Surah Al-Ikhlas, the statement of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, ahad. And we more or less finished that, um, that verse and everything connected to that verse. Um, but what I wanted to touch upon was just the final point concerning what we mentioned when we said that some of the scholars, when they spoke about the, you know, one of the reasons why, for example, uh, Surah Al-Ikhlas is, men- is equal to a third of the Qur'an, and some of the opinions like that we mentioned concerning that, and also what we discussed last week concerning the Ismullah al-A'zam, the greatest name of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, and we said that there was an opinion or that there is a narration that says that it's contained within this surah. Right? Al-Ahad al Lam Yalid Walam Ahad And it brings me to a point, uh, a couple of narrations that I wanted to share with you. The first is from Al-Imam al sadi Rahimahullah, who's uh, one of the teachers of Sheikh bin Al-Thaymin, Rahimahullah Ta'ala. He has a tafsir, which is a one-volume tafsir, famously known as Tafsir al sadi And he says that the Qur'an, from its greatest principles and from its overarching principles is the establishment of tawheed, to establish the principle of the tawheed of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And that's something which you find throughout the Qur'an, not just only in Surah Al-Ikhlas, or in surahs that specifically, or ayat that specifically speak about tawheed, like Ayat Al-Kursi, but that it's something that you find throughout the Qur'an, in all of the verses of the Qur'an. And that's very similar to another statement, and that's the second statement that I wanted to share. This time of Ibn Al-Qayyim, rahimahullah, in his madarij al-salikin his famous book Mudarij al-salikin he mentions that every single verse of the quran speaks about tawheed. every single verse of the quran inna ayatin fil quran every single verse of the quran has within it carries within it the message of tawheed. and then he explains it he says either it is a direct reference to the tawheed of allah the names of Allah, the attributes of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So it is the knowledge of tawheed. Or it is a call to the worship of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala alone. So it's not the theoretical knowledge of tawheed, but the practical application of tawheed, that's number two. Or it's a commandment of Allah or a prohibition from Allah azza wa one of the commands of Allah, which are the, uh, if you like the, um, once you accept the tawheed of Allah azza wa jal, it's the next natural logical stage. That you obey Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and that you stay away from his prohibitions. So he says that it is from the rights of Tawheed. Or it is Allah Azza informing us about the rewards of the people of Tawheed. So when Allah Azza speaks about their rewards in this life, in the next life, in Jannah, it is the rewards of the people of Tawheed. Or it is Allah Azza mentioning the punishment of those people who reject Tawheed. So the people of shirk, the people of the fire, the people of punishment in the grave, and so on and so forth, those are the people that have rejected tawhid. So he says that if you look throughout the Qur'an, if it is a verse, for example, that speaks about one of the creation of Allah, the seas, the oceans, the trees, then it is a verse that speaks about Allah indirectly, the tawhid of Allah Azza wa jal, that Allah is the Lord and the Creator and so on. And if it's a verse that speaks about marriage or divorce, or some of the rulings of eating and drinking, then it's a command of Allah, which is from the rights of Tawheed. Once you accept that Allah Azza wa is your Lord and Creator, you must obey Him and you must obey His commands and stay away from His prohibitions in every single uh, area of life. And then he goes on uh, into this into slightly more detail. But that's a very interesting thing because Surah Al-Ikhlas is a surah that we often, and as we said, one of the names of this surah is the Surah of Tawheed. So if you go throughout the Qur'an, Allah Azza wa mentions all of that in extreme detail, right? So all of these points that, that Ibn al-Qayyim rahimahullah mentioned, you'll find them throughout the Qur'an. So for example, if it's um, the call to tawhid or the call to worship Allah Azza wa jal, that's found in Surah Al-Dhariyat 56, Ayah 56, where Allah says, wa ma illa I only created the humans and the jinn for my creation. Or it's the names and attributes of Allah Azza wa jal, like Ayatul Al-Kursi, Surah Al-Baqarah, verse 255. Or, for example, it's the um, the reward of the people of, of Jannah. As Allah Azzawajal mentions in Surah Al-Anfal, verse 29, in Surah Yunus, verse 26, and in Surah Al-Buruj and many other verses of the Qur'an. Or it's the punishment of those people who refuse Tawheed. They reject Tawheed. The punishment of the people of the fire, like in Surah Taha, verse 74. All its examples and parables that Allah Azza wa is placing, stories that Allah Azza wa Jal is giving concerning the Tawheed of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, like in Surah Al zumar 29, in Surah Al-Shu'ara, and in many of the stories of the Prophets, the story of the Prophet Musa, Ibrahim alayhim and others from amongst the Prophets of Allah. So that's the first verse. And that brings us on to the second verse, verse number two, in which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Allahu samad. Allah is a samad. And a samad is a name from the names of Allah Azza wa Jal. That is a name that can also be given to humans. It's something which you can use to describe other people. And normally, when it's described using other humans, the word samad refers to leadership, refers to power, refers to leadership. But when it comes to this verse, Al tabari rahimahullah, in his tafsir, Ibn Abi Hatim in his tafsir, and these are like two of the earliest, uh, most well-known collections, full collections of tafsir that we have till date. Imam Al tabari passed away, I think, the year 310 Hijri. Ibn Abi Hatim, 327, 330, around that area. So very, they're, they're almost contemporaries. Ibn Abi Hatim, rahimahullah, is the son of Abu Hatim al-Razi, and the nephew of a scholar by the name of Abu Zura al-Razi. And these two scholars were from the contemporaries of Imam Ahmad, and they were from the greatest scholars of hadith of their time. And they're known as the two Razis, the two Razis, the brothers, Abu Hatim and Abu Zura. Their son, Abu Hatim's son, his name, uh, they call him Ibn Abi Hatim, the son of Abu Hatim. And he studied with both his father and his uncle. And they would give him a lot of time and, and obviously give him a lot of due care and attention until he became one of the greatest scholars of his time. And Ibn Abi Hatim wrote a 10-volume tafsir. And his tafsir is in some ways similar to al-Tabari in the sense that it is a tafsir al-ma'thur, tafsir of narrations, where he just mentions many, many narrations concerning the, the statements of the, the Salaf and the scholars and the companions when it comes to the book of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So when it comes to these... Um, these opinions or these views or these statements of the scholars, of the companions and the salaf Concerning the name of Allah Azza As-Samad You find them either in At-Tabari or you find them in Abi, Ibn Abi Hatim, his tafsir, for the most part Abdullah ibn Mas'ud, radiyallahu anhu, and Ubay ibn Ka'ab, radiyallahu anhu They both said that As-Samad is a seyyidul ladhi qad intaha The leader who is perfect in all of his leadership skills the complete and perfect leader. The leader who is perfect in his leadership, subhanahu wa ta'ala. That's the meaning of As-Samad. Uh, Abdullah ibn Abbas, radiyallahu anhumah, and Ibrahim al-Nakha'i. Ibrahim un-Nakhai is from the scholars of the Tabi'een, from the major students of Abdullah ibn Mas'ud, radiyallahu An. And even though he passed away relatively young, he was like I think around 50 at the time of his death, from the scholars of Iraq. He was from the famous scholars of the Tabi'een and he's. Also from the famous scholars of Tafsir, Ibn Abbas and Ibrahim al-Nakha'i said, as samad is the one that people return to for their needs, and they turn to him for all of their issues. Mujahid, rahimahullah, who is from the students as we know of Ibn Abbas, anhuma, he said, as samad al la He's the one who has no Jof. Jof in the Arabic language is referred to something which is inside. Right, what's inside of you. So your organs, your blood, you know, the, the internal like, kind of cavity of your body, that is called in Arabic, Jawf. Right? And we mentioned this, I think, like when we were speaking about Iblis, the hadith that is in Sahih Muslim, which the Prophet ﷺ said that Allah ﷺ created Adam ﷺ and he left him in Jannah for as long as he will before he blew into him from his spirit. And Iblis came and he saw this new creation and he began to walk around it. And then he saw that it is ajwaf, hollow. From inside, has something inside of it, meaning that it has organs and it has an internal in, uh, organs and it has things inside that flow and that can be used and manipulated. And when he saw this, he said, "Ha, the ajwaf la yatamalik. This is a creation that is hollow. It is hollow from inside, and it's something that won't have any self-control. So the scholars or some of the self they said that a samad is the one who doesn't have a jaw. Allah Azzawajal is the one who doesn't have a job, meaning that he doesn't need to eat and he doesn't need to drink. Right? And he doesn't have those internal organs. Because if you have blood, then you can bleed. And if you need to eat or you have like internal organs that require food or drink or oxygen or all of those things, then you are dependent upon those things. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is not dependent upon any of them. Right? And so this is a common um, a common uh, it is one of the most common tafsirs amongst the scholars on the Salaf, that the word as samad is the one who has no Jof, has no internal system, has no uh, jauf is like inside, Right? that's what it literally means. And it's also mentioned in Tuhfat al-Ahwadi, al-Mubarak rahimahullah, in his explanation of uh, at-Tirmidhi, he also mentioned this that Al-Samad refers to the one who doesn't have an inside and he says, expanding upon it, he's the one that doesn't eat, doesn't need to eat, doesn't need to drink, doesn't have internal organs, and so on. Right? Not hollow. So Allah azza wa jal has no jauf. Al-Hassan and Qatada, rahimahum Allah, from the scholars of the Saraf, they said, Al-Samad, al-baqi ba'da khalqih, the one who will remain everlasting after his creation. Right? And the opinion, uh, by the way, of uh, Al-Jawf, right, that uh, Al-Samad means the one who has no Jawf, was also reported on Ibn Mas'ud. So we mentioned, mentioned that it's the statement of Mujahid. But it's also mentioned on Ibn Mas'ud and Ibn Abbas and Sa'id ibn al-Musayyib and Mujahid and Ikrimah and Sa'id ibn Jubair and At and al-Dahhaq and others from amongst the scholars of the Salaf. So it's one of the most common tafsirs given to the name of Allah Azza wa Jal, Al-Samad. Al-Sha'bi, he described what that means, or he expanded further upon that, and he said, He's the one who requires no food, nor does he require any drink. Right. What's interesting to do, um, one of you guys with a laptop or something, if you go to uh, Quran.com right, and you go to uh, Surah Al-Ikhlas, the translation, of Surah Al Ikhlas, and you all have your phones, you can all do this. Right. Go to Surah Al Ikhlas and go to the verse, second verse, Allahu Samad. Right. And then, if you go into the settings on Quran.com, it allows you to choose multiple translations. It right. has a number of translations. So, what's the default translation they give you? No, Sahih, International. Sahih International. okay. So, in addition to Sahih International, choose Mahsin Khan, choose Dr. Abdul Haleem, uh, choose Yusuf Ali. Choose uh, Mufti Taqi Usmani. Choose like five or six different ones. I think those are like, they, ha- they all have, they have all of those. Done? Yeah. Okay. So, Allahu Summit. What's the translation for As Summit? So, self sufficient master all, creation, all, creation, all creatures need. Eat eat. Okay, so, Muhsin Khan said, Say that again. <laughs> the self-sufficient master who, who all creatures need, he neither eats nor drinks. Oh, that's that's it. Okay. So as we said, that's like one tafsir, right? So who said that? Ibn Abbas, and Ashabi. Okay. Okay. So Mufti Uthmani said needing none. Okay. So that's like almost. Similar, Ibn Abbas, maybe Ibn Mas'ud, that is the leader, doesn't require anyone, okay? Sahih International says, uh, Allah the eternal refuge, refuge. Okay, Sahih International, Allah the eternal refuge, okay, so that's also al-Ladhi um, nas okay, Ibn Abbas and Ibrahim al-Nakha'i. Um, okay. Abdul Harim says, Abdul-Halim says God, the God the eternal, okay, so the one that that's the statement of Al-Hassan and Qatada, that he's the one who is everlasting. Yeah. Yusuf Ali says the eternal absolute. Okay, so he says, the, so it's very similar, right? So Yusuf Ali says that he's the eternal absolute. So the reason why I wanted to show you that is also because um, what essentially what they're doing, a translator of the Quran, is essentially choosing for you a tafsir. And they're choosing for you the tafsir that they consider to be you know, either the strongest or the most common, or the one that they consider to be, you know, like most. Oh, they do what Musul Khan does <laughs> and tries to put all of it into a bracket. Right? It's like merge between all of them in a long like parenthesis. So that's what they're trying to do, right? And that's what translation is. Translation, because as we know, you can't actually directly translate the Quran word for word into the English English language. The Quran is too eloquent. The, the Arabic language is too eloquent, and the Quran is too eloquent to be able to do that. So we have a samad which is one word. Samad is like three letters. And in order to give a full meaning, we need like a a bracket and like, I don't know, like a whole sentence and and so many different, to to bring together all of what those scholars of uh, tafsir mentioned concerning the name of Allah Azza wa Jalla samad And as we said, as is the practice amongst the scholars of tafsir, all of those meanings are correct. They all refer to the name of Allah Azza wa Jalla samad Right? They don't contradict one another, they complement one another. And that's why Ibn Abi Hatim, ta'ala, in his tafsir, he mentions a beautiful statement of Ibn Abbas, it's a long statement, about the meaning of As-Samad. And he says, a samad is the one who is the leader, and he is perfect in his leadership. And he is the one who is noble, and he is perfect in his nobility. And he is the one who is all-great, and he is perfect in his greatness. And he is the one who is Al-Halim, forbearing. And he is perfect in his forbearance. And he is al Alim, the one who is all-knowing, perfect in his knowledge. And Al-Hakim, all-wise, perfect in his wisdom. And he is the one who is per- perfect in all of his traits of nobility and leadership, subhanahu wa ta'ala. And this is only befitting for Allah Azzawajal. So this is how he like, gives a very long explanation of the, the 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 meaning of the name of Allah Azza Wajal As-Samad, And that's why when it's for Allah Azza Wajal, we say As-Samad, right? Al-Samad, the eternal refuge or the sustainer or whichever one of those translations you want to use. Because the Arabs used to call their leaders Samad, right? They would say that this man is Samad, meaning he's a good leader, right? He has many traits of leadership. But that person, despite their traits of leadership and their qualities of leadership, will always fall short. Right? They'll always have problems. They'll always have weaknesses. But Allah Azzawajal is as-samad. Perfect in his leadership, subhanahu wa ta'ala, and perfect in his attributes, jalla fi'ula. So that's why some of the scholars of tafsir, they said that the meaning of as-samad is the one who is perfect in all of his attributes. The one who is perfect in all of his attributes. And I think... The, you know, the, the scholars the, or the translators rather who choose you know, the eternal refuge or just the eternal that's what they're trying to say that Allah Azza wa is just perfect in every single way, in every single way in every shape and form Allah Azza wa is perfect subhanahu wa ta'ala in all of his names and all of his attributes so Allah Azza mentions as samad one thing that's interesting also in this surah is that these two names of Allah Azza wa that we've just covered so the one that we covered last week Al-Ahad and this one, As-Samad, this is the only surah of the Qur'an that those two names are mentioned in. So Surah Al-Ikhlas is the only uh, surah of the Qur'an in which those two names of Allah are mentioned. Al-Wahid is mentioned elsewhere, other names are mentioned elsewhere, but Al-Ahad, Al-Ahad and As-Samad as names of Allah are only mentioned in Surah Al-Ikhlas. Right? And so it's also unique in that sense. So Allah Azza wa Jal is one. And we said last week, that the meaning of that one, why Allah Azzawajal chose the word ahad rather than wahid, because wahid in the Arabic language can have the meaning of addition. You can add to one. One, you can add two, and it becomes two. Right? Whereas ahad means unique, means single, means alone. There is nothing similar to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And so Allah Azzawajal chose the name ahad, and then he mentions as-samad, that Allah Azzawajal is not only alone and unique, but he is alone and unique also in all of his attributes. He is the one that we need, subhanahu wa ta'ala, and he has no need of anything else. Jalla fi And then we come to verse number three. The third description that Allah Azza wa Jal gives for himself. So Allah is alone and unique and Allah Jal is the one who is perfect in all of his names and attributes he is the eternal refuge the one that everyone else requires assistance from he requires nothing from anyone else and he has no similarity to anyone else no weakness no dependency and that's the meaning of la jawfar has nothing inside right no need he's not weak in terms of needing food or drink or oxygen or blood or anything that we would consider to be a deficiency or weakness and then Allah Azzawajal says in the third description, in verse number three, Lem wa lam yulad. He begets not, nor was he begotten. Right? And I think more or less all of the translations give that same wording. As far as I like remember, Yusuf Ali, Muhsin Khan, Sahih International, Dr. Dulhalim, all of them, they all say he begets not, nor was he begotten. I mean, they may change the words slightly, but that's what they say. What does that mean? He begets not, nor was he begotten. Begets not means he doesn't give birth, doesn't have children. Nor was he begotten, nor was he given birth to Subhanahu wa Ta'ala. Lam yalid wa lam yulad. Right? And both of those names, the scholars said of tafsir, refer to Allah Azza wa Jal being everlasting. That there was no beginning to Allah Azza wa Jal, nor is there an end to Allah Subhanahu wa Ta'ala. There's no beginning. Nor is that an end to Allah Because if Allah Azzawajal was born, that means that he began from a point. right? Whereas if he gives birth to someone else, birth is normally seen as passing on the torch, right? Legacy, children, uh, you know, like people who are your successors and so on. So Allah Azzawajal has no beginning, nor does he have any end, subhanahu wa ta'ala. And they said, "Qatada Rahimahullah." He said, because the Arabs used to say, as we know, that the angels are the daughters of Allah Azza wa And some of the Jews, they said, Uzair is the son of Allah. And the Christians said, Al-Masih or Jesus is the son of Allah. So Allah Azza said that all of them were incorrect. And he said, Lam yalid, Lam And he began, not in the logical way, but in the opposite way. Allah Azza doesn't begin with the logical order in this verse. What's the logical order? To be born, and then to give birth. Right? That's the logical order. You're born first, and then you give birth. But Allah switches it around. He didn't give birth, nor was he born, subhanahu wa ta'ala. Why? Because he begins with? With what? What is most common and therefore most important to deal with. Right? And that's always a principle in the Qur'an. It is a qaida in the Qur'an that Allah always begins with importance right? Allah Azzawajal doesn't begin with chronology doesn't begin necessarily with logic doesn't begin with what we would consider to be first, second, third Allah Azzawajal begins with importance right? and you have many examples of this in the Quran for example the beginning of Surah Al-Alaq Iqra bismi read in the name of your Lord who created Right? even though the revelation of the Quran came after the creation of mankind the Qur'an was revealed many thousands of years after Allah Azza created Adam But Allah begins with revelation first. Why? Because it is more important. Right? Again, Allah Azza taught the Qur'an and then he created mankind. Even though the order was the other way around. But Allah Azza always begins with what is important. So likewise in this verse, Allah Subh'anaHu Wa began with, لم يلد. Because that's what's most important. Because that's the claim that people made that Allah Azawajal has children, daughters, sons, whatever it may be. Allah Azawajal has children, so Allah Azawajal began with this rather than the opposite. And this is mentioned by Imam Al-Razi in his tafsir and others as well in their tafsir. Even though, uh, and another important point or another interesting point, even though it's not mentioned anywhere that anyone said that Allah Azawajal was born. Right, and I don't know. Maybe someone can like look into this or research this, but I don't think that there is any religion that claims that Allah Azwj was born. So even though the even those beliefs and religions that hold that Allah Azwj has children or offspring, whether it's a son or a daughter, wherever it may be, I don't know of any religion that claims that Allah Azwj was born. Right, and the scholars of Tafsir, a number of them, al Bayan, Sheikh uh, Shaqiti, others from amongst them, they mentioned this point explicitly. That they haven't come across any religion, any sect, any group that thought that Allah was born. Right? That Allah had parents or was born from parents or from whatever. Allah wasn't born. And so despite this, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions this. Right? Because if they said that Allah Azza was born, then obviously that is in and of itself what? An inherent weakness. Right? Why not worship the parents? if they're more powerful, or they have their ability, and so on and so forth. So, no religion had this. But even so, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala still mentions this. Lam yalid wa lam yulad. Right? And some of the scholars said, it's to show, or it's from uh, giving a complete and comprehensive answer. That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, even though it's not something which is discussed, it's not something which people believed, it's not something which they claimed, Allah azza wa jal mentions it anyway, to give a complete eloquent, comprehensive answer. And that's also something which the Prophet ﷺ would do when he was asked a question. He wouldn't just necessarily respond to the question, but he would give a complete answer so that you don't need to come back for any more. So for example, the most famous example of that is the hadith of the ocean water, right? Where, you know, the group of the companions came and they said, O Messenger of Allah, we work upon the sea. And when we're working upon the sea, we need to make wudu, right? The, the water that we have, we use it for cooking and so on. If we use it for wudu and bathing, it will finish. And then we don't have anything. So can we use the water of the sea to make our wudu? Is it pure for us? So he said, rumā'u mm-hmm. al-hillu Not only is the water pure, but it's dead, a halal. Meaning its inhabitants, the fish, a halal for you to consume. They were asking about the food, they were asking about the water and wudu. But the Prophet ﷺ gave a more comprehensive answer. Why? Because it is a greater ruling, right? And it's more eloquent. And now those people, rather than them having to come back another time and ask that same question, which probably would have come at some point, the Prophet ﷺ answered both in a very succinct and complete statement. So likewise Allah Azza wa Jal some of the scholars of tafsir said, that's why Allah Azza Jal mentions both. It's not something which is raised, it's not something which was asked or was claimed, but Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala does so to make it even more of a comprehensive answer. Lam yalid Walam Yulad. So Allah Azza wa Jal that's the third example that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives, right? That Allah azza wa Jalla has no child. And this is something which is mentioned many times in the Qur'an, right? Many times in the Qur'an, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala refers to him not having children and not having any uh, offspring. Allah azza wa Jalla says, for example, in Surah Al-Baqarah, verse 116, 117, They claim that Allah azza wa Jalla has a child. Subhana, glory be to him. بل له ما في السماوات والأرض. but rather everything in the heavens and earth belongs to him. كل all of them submit to Allah right? meaning that everything in the heavens and the earth is subservient to Allah subhanahu taala. Samawati السماوات والأرض. he is the originator of the heavens and the earth. and when he decrees an affair, he simply says to it be, and it is. Right? and that's one verse. And then we have other verses where Allah Azzawajal mentions that He doesn't have children. and there are many in the Qur'an, like for example, the final passage of Surah Maryam and other passages of the Quran as well. And that's because the scholars said Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is showing throughout the Quran that it's not befitting for Allah Azza to have a child, right? Because a child is a weakness in some ways, right? The child becomes your weakness. You have a soft spot for your child, and that child also has favors that you give to them that you don't give to others. So Allah Azza wa says, "Kullu Everything in the heavens and the earth is subservient to Allah Azza wa submissive to Allah Subhanahu wa taala. Nothing has a favor over Allah Azza wa None of the creation of Allah Subhanahu wa taala has a, um, a favor upon Allah Azza wa And likewise, also because children normally inherit from you. But nothing inherits from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala because the meaning of inheritance usually refers to death, right? Usually refers to death and passing away. And so Allah Azza wa Jal says in Surah um, Ali Imran, I think, And Allah will inherit all of the heavens and all of the earth, subhanahu wa ta'ala. And then we come to the final verse of Surah وَلَمْ لَهُ كُفُوًا أَحَدٍ And there is nothing similar unto him. There is nothing similar unto him. وَلَمْ لَهُ كُفُوًا أَحَدٍ There are three recitations of the word kufuwan. Our recitation, which is a recitation of Hafs, and that is kufuwan. And then you have the recitation of Yaqub and Hamza and Khalaf al-Ashir, who say Kufan, Kufan. And then the remaining Qurra who say Kufu'an. Kufu an. So we are the only, or Hafs rather, is the only of the Qurra, the only one of the Qurra who recites this word with a vowel. Kufu'an. Everyone else recites it with a Hamza. Kufan, or, Kufu an or right? Kufu'an. Kufu'an, Kufan. What does it mean? The first, um, the word Kuf, right? what does it mean? The first um, statement from amongst scholars, the opinion of Ubay ibn Ka'ab, Rodi Allahu An Rahimahullah, is that there is nothing similar to Allah Azzawajah. Nothing similar to Allah Subhanahu wa Ta'ala. Lem Yakunnahu There is nothing similar to Allah Subhanahu wa Ta'ala. Mujahid Rahimahullah, the second opinion, Mujahid Rahimahullah said that it refers to Allah Azza having no spouse. صَاحِبًا Doesn't have a partner or a spouse. Why does he give this tafsir? Mujahid? Why this one? Because the ayah before he's talking about not having any children or any parents. Is an ayah about? Yes, because the previous verse speaks about Allah Azza having neither parents nor children. So in this verse he said, what does it refer to? He has no spouse or partner. So you deny it from, that Allah Azzawajal has partners from all three, if you like, angles, right? Up, down, and yeah, sideways. He so doesn't have ancestry, doesn't have lineage, uh, or doesn't have children, offspring. And likewise, he doesn't have a partner, subhanahu wa ta'ala. This was the opinion of Mujahid, rahimahullah. And Qatada and others said that what he refers to is that there is no one equivalent to Allah none none equivalent to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Right? What's the difference between that statement and the first one of Atah and Ubay ibn Ka'am? Nothing similar to Allah, nothing equivalent to Allah azza wa jal. Not the same. There's a slight difference. And that's why it's calculated as three opinions. It's the same thing then it's two opinions, right? It's not three opinions. There are three opinions because there is a slight difference. What's the difference between similarity and between an equivalent? mean that? Go on, give someone else a chance. So you can be like something but not equivalent to it? Yeah, you can be like something but not equivalent to it. So when they say that Allah Azza wa Jalla is nothing similar, it means from humans, from prophets, from angels, from other creations of Allah. But when you say Allah Azza wa Jalla is no equivalent, meaning that there is not another God like Allah also. Nothing equivalent to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Meaning, there is not more than one Allah azza wa jal with all of his perfection, all of his completeness, all of his names, all of his attributes and so on. Right? And this was the opinion of Qatada rahimahullah ta'ala. And it's also reported in Ali radiyallahu an, that he said, alladhi la yukaafi'uhu ahad. He's the one that has nothing equivalent to him, subhanahu wa ta'ala. Abu Huraira radiyallahu an said, he is the one who is free of all things and everything else is in need of him. He is free of all things, but all everything else in existence is in need of him, subhanahu wa ta'ala. Sa'id ibn Jubair, rahimahullah ta'ala, he said, Huwa al-kamil fi jami'i wa fa'ale. He is the one who is perfect in all of his names and all of his actions. Al-Rabi'i said, he is the one who is not overcome by weakness. No deficiency, no weakness comes to him subhanahu wa ta'ala. Meaning doesn't become tired, doesn't become sick, doesn't pass away. No, None of those weaknesses come to him subhanahu wa ta'ala. Muqatil rahimahullah said, He He's the one who has no deficiency, no weakness, nothing which is considered to be a defect. And Tawus, rahimahullah Taala said, he is the one whose descriptions are not given to anyone else. In the manner in which he is described, subhanahu wa ta'ala. So when we describe Allah جل, as Al-Alim, Al-Rahim, Al-Hakim, all of these names, the meaning of those names as they befit Allah جل, and His Majesty, are not given to anyone else from His creation. That was the statement of Tawus. Rahimahullah ta'ala. Qatada, rahimahullah uh, Rahimahullah said, he is the one who is everlasting, and Mujahid said, he is the one who never will never pass away, subhanahu wa ta'ala. So all of these different statements, and we have, I think, like, there were three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten different statements from amongst the scholars about the meaning of, وَلَمْ kufuwan ahad. Right? Some of the scholars said concerning this surah, is the one statement and the rest, the other three verses are a tafsir of that first statement. So Allah Azza wa is one. Say he is Allah, the one. And then Allah Azza wa is giving the tafsir himself of what it means to be the one. Right, that is as-samad lam yalid walam walam yakun lahu And that's why in the hadith you have that wording. Al-ahadu as-samad. الَّذِي لَمْ yulad وَلَمْ يُولَدْ وَلَمْ يَكُنْ لَهُ كُفْ وَلَحَدْ right? It's almost as if it is a tafsir and an explanation of the meaning of those names of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So Allah azza wa jal is unique subhanahu wa ta'ala in every way. In the hadith in Sayyid Bukhari, on the authority of Abu Musa al-Ash'ari radiyallahu anhu, he said that the Prophet said salallahu alayhi wa sallam that Allah... Is, uh, that Allah that he said, صلى الله عليه وسلم, لا أحد ala على أذن سمعه من الله. إنهم يجعلون له ولدا وهو يرزقهم ما يعافين. There is no one more patient upon harm that they hear than Allah عز wa. No one more patient upon harm that they hear than Allah عز wa جل. They ascribe to Allah children and Allah عز continues to provide for them and he continues to pardon them. سبحانه وتعالى. And this is a similar hadith to another hadith, also in Sahih al-Bukhari, this time on the authority of Abu Huraira radiallahu An that the Prophet said, that Allah says, كَذَّبَنِي إِبْنُ آدَمُ وَلَمْ ذَلِكَ وَشَتَمَنِي وَلَمْ يَكُنَّهُ ذَلِكَ فَأَمَّا تَكْذِيبُهُ فَقَوْلُهُ لَنْ يُعِيدَنِي كَمَا بَدَأَنِي وَلَيْسَ أَوَّلُ الْخَلْق بأهون وَأَمَّا شَتْمُهُ فَقَوْلُهُ اللَّهُ وَلَدًا وَأَنَا الْأَحَدُ الَّذِي لَمْ يَلِدْ وَلَمْ يُولَدْ وَلَمْ لَهُ And this is where you have, this is one of the hadith in which this surah more or less, all of it is mentioned in a statement of a hadith. The hadith al-Qudsi says that Allah says that this child or the son of Adam rebukes me, or he rejects me, and it's not befitting for him to do so, and he curses me and it's not befitting for him to do so. As for his rejection of me, he says that he won't return me, that Allah cannot return me to where I began. Meaning that Allah Jal cannot create me as he did once before. And Allah Azzawajal says, and to return his creation is not more difficult than having created him in the first place. And as for his cursing of me, Allah says, "Then it's his claim that, I, that Allah took a child, that I took a child. Allah is saying that he said that I took a child and I am al-ahad, the one, as-samad, al-ladhi lam yalid wa yulad wa lam lahu ahad. And you know, the tafsir of those verses as we just mentioned. Right? So this is um, two ahadith that speak about also the statement of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, wa lam lahu ahad. And with that we come to the end of the tafsir. Of Surah Al-Ikhlas. Any questions? Anything online? No, nothing online. Okay. So then, what I want to do is, um, I want to like go over this surah in a summarized version again, um, and just mention like some of the opinions of the scholars that we that we gave. And also what I'd like you to do, actually, more so than me, is kind of like do that for me, if you don't mind. Going through your notes, from the statement of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, قُلْهُوَ اللَّهُ أَحَدُ Just mention like the main points that we covered in a brief summarized version. So when we said قُلْهُوَ اللَّهُ أَحَدُ Number one, it's virtues we know, right? It's most famous virtue is that it is equal to a third of the Qur'an, equal to a third of the book of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, as well as the other virtues that we have of reciting the surah after salah, in the morning adhkar in the evening adhkar and so on and so forth. Right? And then we have the other hadith of the man who would always finish his salah, his recitation with Surah Al-Ikhlas. And when he was asked about this, he said, because it speaks about my Lord and I love to read it. So the Prophet said and told him that Allah also loves him. Right? It's cause of revelation. It's cause of revelation is... the Quraysh, who came and asked the Prophet ﷺ, what is the lineage of your Lord? And Allah Azzawajal revealed this verse in return. Right? And then we have the other narration, which is that it's not Quraysh, but it's some of the Jews of Medina. Right? And that's why we then have the difference of opinion as to whether the surah is Makki or Madani. And that's what it goes to. And we said that the majority of the scholars with tafsir, they said that it is Makki. Right? So the first verse in you know, the other narration they say Jews in Medina or they say Jews and then the Jews are in Medina yeah because the Jews were, were usually in Medina right? and so that's where that's what I like it refers to Yeah. So if, if someone was to you know take this hadith would it be specific to uh, the Sahabi or how would you specific to the Sahabi who would finish his so, so, am I right in saying in every surah after Fatah he was surah and then the yeah. surah yeah Okay, so the hadith of the companion who used to always finish his Qur'an with uh, Surah Al-Ikhlas has a number of benefits. From them is that it's allowed for you to read more than one surah, right, in a, certain rak- in a single rakah recitation. From the benefits is that those two surahs don't have to be in order, right? Don't have to follow one another. So if you start with Baqarah, it doesn't have to be Ali imran You can move from one surah to another. And also from the benefits is that it's something which is allowed to do, that a person finishes with one surah. However, it's something which is, wasn't reported to the best of my knowledge from any of the, the companions that they did. But to say that it's specific to him, no, I don't think that that's like a correct opinion because what is specific in the sharia is for the Prophet Wasallam. So if one of the Muslims does it and the Prophet approves, it shows that it's allowed. But we know that the Prophet himself didn't do this, nor is it reported widely from the majority of the companions, عنهم, so it doesn't necessarily become a sunnah in that way. But if someone wanted to do so, then, you know, then it's allowed, right? And to revive some of these sunnas is uh, also good, right? So, like, you have other sunnahs similar to it that the Prophet ﷺ used to do in Salah that we don't do. So, there's a hadith where the Prophet ﷺ was traveling, and he was praying Fajr, and in both rakahs he recited which surah, al-ardu In the first rak'ah and then in the second rak'ah he recited it again, right? which shows that it's allowed to repeat the same surah in two rak'ahs Right? And that's a sunnah which you know most people aren't aware of and they don't do. But if you're traveling and you're praying fajr, then it's a sunnah in your in the in the in the, in the two rak'ahs of fajr, meaning the the fard salah. That's what he did. He read idha zulzila, and in the second rak'ah he read idha zulzila so So these hadith show that it, these things are allowed and that there's a basis for them in the sunnah. But it's not the common practice, right? So that's not something which the Prophet would do often. Repeat the same surah, right? Like you have the other hadith where the Prophet ﷺ would spend the whole night in qiyam, repeating a verse, right? Just one verse over and over again. But that's not the common practice of the Prophet ﷺ. It's not the way he would usually do his qiyam right? It's, it's like a one-off or something, which, you know, you do here and there, like on an odd occasion. So, هُوَ اللَّهُ أَحَدُ right? He is Allah, the one, right? And we said that there were, um, I think, two or three things concerning the name of Allah, جل, or this first verse three points I think that we mentioned last week the first one was um, why it's mentioned twice the second one was why ahad and not and the third one was there was the third one was that it? you, you, mean you mentioned that before we mentioned okay. the, uh, I distinctly rem- remember like mentioning like three points right. but yeah maybe okay I'll take that one, if no one else has any of this. Okay, so go on then. So what, why Ahad and not Al-Ahad? Because this name is specific to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, and it's not given to anyone other than Allah azza wa jal, as opposed to names like Samad, right, and Ra'uf, and so on. And this is mentioned as an explicit point. Ibn Rajab, rahimahullah, mentions this in his tafsir. Tafsir Ibn Rajab, he goes through this in some detail. The second point, the difference between Wahid and Ahad, While Allah azza wa jal calls himself because you can't add to it, and because, number two, it is more eloquent in terms of affirmation and negation. Because in the Arabic language, when you say, um, this one person isn't equal to you, it leaves open the option of two or three or four being equal. But when you say, no one is equal to him, then it is, Exclusive, right? No one, nothing. And so that's another reason. And then why the name of Allah Azza wa Jal mentioned twice, why we have both names, To. ahad, and then walam yaqullahu kufu and ahad. We said the first one is for? Affirmation. affirmation and the second one was for? Negation. Right? And this is also mentioned in some of the books of Tafsir. Allahu al-Samad, coming on today's lesson. Al-Samad. What did we say al-Samad means? A number of opinions. The first is? The one who is free of any need, has no need, right? And everyone else or everything else is in need of him. Number two. Leadership. Lead leadership. Right? It refers to Allah Azza which is leadership. Number three, one of the most common
1: opinions. He
0: no, uh, that he has no jov. Right? <inaudible> he has no nothing inside or no, no internal organs or none of the things <coughs> that make him weak subhanahu wa ta'ala. Was there any others? There's another one that Allah is everlasting, right? That he is eternal, subhanahu wa ta'ala. And then we mention some others like the statement of Ibn Abbas, radiyallahu anhuma. لم يلد ولم يولد. Why did we begin with لم يلد over ولم يولد? Because we begin with what is more important, right? And so we have three opinions as to what it means. Number three, uh, the first one, oh, sorry, لم يلد ولم يولد we began with. لم يلد because it is more important than ولم يولد. And then, وَلَمْ lam لَهُ كُفْوَنْ أَحَدْ We said, Kufwan has three opinions that are mentioned. The first is that it refers to Allah Azza wa having nothing similar to him. Number two, that Allah Azza wa has no partner or, partner or spouse. And therefore, it relates to verse number three. And number three, or the third opinion was that there is nothing equivalent to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Okay. Any questions? So there's a question online. Does the difference in variation in kufu 1 and Kuf 1 also the meanings? No. So the actual word in Arabic is Kuf. Kuf. Right? Kuf is something, and it's even mentioned in, um, in, in the book of Nikah. You know, if, you, if you're doing your fiqh and you go through the book of Nikah, one, one of the things that some of the scholars stipulate is that when you're looking for a spouse, that person should be Kuf, someone who is suitable. Right? That's, what it, that's what the original word comes from. So kuf, kuf with the hamza is the actual word. But in Arabic, they do this thing, um, which if you study Arabic, you'll know. And that is called tasheel al-nutq, to make it easy to pronounce. So anything that becomes difficult to pronounce, the Arabs do this thing where they change it, right? Or they merge it. Or they do something to make it easier to roll off the tongue. And this is an example of that because the a is a, is a harsh sound. Right, so, to make it easier, they change it into a wow. Well. Right, kufu one, rather than kufu an. right? That's something which the Arabs used to do, and that's why you have that one of qira'ah. The, the three words I'm is kufu one, kufu an, and kufu an. Kufu an, yes. So, there's another question online. Um, regarding Ibn Mas'ud, radiallahu one. not reciting the Quli, would it be correct to recite like that out? No. In my opinion, no, it's not correct to recite like that. So the statement of Ibn Mas'ud, radiyallahu an is something which only Ibn Mas'ud helped. Right? And it's not something which the companions other companions other uh, agreed with, or it's not reported from the other companions that they did this number one. And it's established from the Prophet that he read the, these surahs with the Qul. Right? And obviously in all of these things, our marjah, our source, our reference is the Prophet yeah, and the companions have the Ijtihad, sometimes they have their like their, their opinions. Like we said, you know, Ibn Ms. in is almost Mus'haf, wouldn't have Falaqan Nas written in there. Right so you know are uh, these are Ijtihad from the companions and that's why we have, you know, like in, in this religion something called ijma, When when the scholars have consensus, they have agreement on a principle, it becomes from one of the source, the strongest sources of legislation in Islam. Did he not recite the no, I think as far as I know, it's just in, in these three surahs. Okay. Yeah. Allah knows best. somebody kafirun, I don't remember kafirun, but in these three surahs. You know, um, a couple of weeks ago you mentioned um, this hadith where uh, children shouldn't be allowed to go out at time of this. Does that apply only to children or is it to... Um, anybody so the hadith uh, that we mentioned a few weeks ago, the Prophet ﷺ said, when the sun is setting, then... Withhold your children, don't let them go out and play, keep them in until the sun has set and then let them out. That that applies to the Hadith specifically about children. But it's not so strict like if you're out, you know, the children are at school, you're going to pick them up, they have something to do, you know, like we shouldn't go to the extreme where, you know, it's not allowed or you don't like let them out or something. It's because that's the time where they shouldn't just go for no reason. That's what these hadith mean shouldn't just go for no reason or no purpose but if they have a job to do an errand to fulfill they're going somewhere there's a need for them to go out you as a family have to leave then it's allowed right but the general the the ruling is that not just to go and play and and, and you know for no for no good reason Allah knows best okay inshallah we'll we'll stop there barakallahu feekum we talk from next week sallallahu alayhi wa sallam Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in a repetition sure. of the <laughs> Christians Christian. what's that sorry um, they say that Islam was son but then another of them is also that our God Islam was born yeah. there was some nice open trailers right? yeah they confuse themselves, He's confusing it's like,
1: you know. oh,